Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So expect the unexpected. KCAA Loma Linda. 1050 AM. 106.5 FM. And now 102.3 FM. Tetracycline has proved its value in inhibiting the pathogen. Ongoing research will need to continue to determine the most effective means of delivery. I'm Brian German for Agnet West Radio Network. Psst. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Do you know where you are? Well, you've done it now. You're listening to KCAA Loma Linda, your CNBC news station. So expect the unexpected. Look for a report from whiskey producer Brown Foreman, hurt by retaliatory EU tariffs. Also Tiffany, which may be hurt by the tourism downturn in the U.S. after the Bell, Box, H&R Block, and Williams-Sonoma. Toy maker Mattel is adding two new Barbies inspired by courageous women, Rosa Parks, the civil rights icon, and astronaut Sally Ride. Retired Patriots star tight end Rob Gronkowski has announced a partnership with Abacus Health Products, which makes CBD Medic. That's a line of topical cannabis products. Gronkowski, who should know something about pain, says the products took away his pain for the first time in more than a decade. Stephanie Shelton, CNBC. Lowe's is here to help pros put more toward their bottom line with special Labor Day savings and what you need to get the job done. Like $40 off your choice of a DeWalt 12-volt max drill or 12-volt max impact driver featuring DeWalt's all-new 12-volt battery platform, now just $99. And whether updating a property or building new homes, save up to 15% off select custom windows and doors. Whatever the day, whatever the job, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 9-1 U.S. only. Sarcoma. Odds are you've never heard that word before. For the 40 people diagnosed with sarcoma every day, it is a life-changing word because sarcoma is cancer. Through awareness, advocacy, and research, the Sarcoma Foundation of America is bringing hope to the families whose lives have been turned upside down by a cancer they had never heard of until diagnosis. Please join us in the fight to find the cure for sarcoma. For more information on the work of the Sarcoma Foundation of America, go to curesarcoma.org.
Jake was in big trouble with the IRS. He owed how much? $92,000. Ouch. The IRS left no room for Jake to breathe. They put a lien on my house, took all the money out of my bank account, took money out of my paychecks. So it was a nightmare. He needed help fast. I figured that all these companies were the same until I called federal tax management. You could just tell they knew what they were talking about. Right then and there, I felt like I had some hope. Stop the liens, levies, and garnishments fast and qualify for one of several special IRS programs that could reduce or even eliminate your tax debt. So, how'd it go for Jake? They did what they said they would do. They came through for me. I ended up saving an unbelievable amount. I was so jazzed. (laughs) I was extremely happy. If you owe more than $10,000 in back taxes... Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800-503-8625. 1050 FM 106.5 and FM 102.3. Todd, I am so ready for summer to be over. (laughs) I am so ready. I just, you know, it's been humid and there's just no relief. And anyway, I know I'm whining, but how many people out there, how sick of summer are you? I'm I'm glad that it's uh, almost September. And then we got to get through the next two months <laughs> before it mm-hmm. really seriously cools down. <laughs> you know, I go out and coach in the evening, and it starts. We had cool evenings, and so for me, it's actually been really nice. But I understand if you have to be out and about during the day, it's been toasty and sticky and sticky. I mean, I can handle toasty ads. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's hot, but the sticky. It's just that didn't used to be our thing here in Southern California, and over the last several years, it has it has been sticky every summer. We never had a monsoon season before. Yeah, once in a while we get that uh, humidity coming up out of Baja, you know, but uh, it seems to be a pretty consistent thing in the recent years. Indeed. So starting out my starting out the show with the wine and another thing. So I I apologize for that. I just had to get that off my chest. Last night, um, we had our first evening kids club session. And, um, you know, we were fighting the humidity just in the it was just a particularly humid evening last night. And and um, and you know, inside the building that we were in, it took a while to cool down when we got there, like an hour. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, you know, the air conditioner was working. It just took a minute before it would, uh, before it would work. So we were doing hot yoga. <laughs> fun, fun. Fun, fun. Not so much. Not so much. Hey, um, speaking of, of weather and climate, uh, Newser is reporting 
um, uh, and GoBankingRates.com, which I'm not sure who puts that out, that you that uh, a list of U.S. cities that will be arid, uh, there'll be deserts by 2080. Now, they say arid wastelands, and I think that's just hyperbole, but that they'll be deserty be by uh, uh, 2080. And, and some of these, I'm like, really? Um, some of them are already kind of deserty anyway. So they yeah. list, list Provo, Utah. Okay. Yeah. You I mean, know. Provo, Utah's all of Utah's really dry. Um, mm-hmm. it, and, and, and I'd forgotten until we went, took the girls up to Salt Lake, how dry it is up there. It's why their snow is so phenomenal. Um, but it's, it's dry. Yeah. Provo, Utah's one of mm-hmm. them. Um, the one that really struck me was Jackson, Mississippi. Really? Have you been to Mississippi? <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, and you know, so Conroe, Texas, I I don't I don't think so. And I say this because you know Conroe is just slightly north of Houston. If y'all have been to Houston, it is hot and sticky, sticky beyond. St- I mean, I was whining about our sticky. Their sticky mm-hmm. is on a ho- on a whole new universe of sticky. <laughs> yeah, S- sticky in the sort of southern Midwest and South is is a whole nother level. It really is. It really is. Now, yeah. Cheyenne, Wyoming is pretty deserty. They don't get a lot of precipitation anyway. Boulder, Colorado, okay, they get tons and tons of snow. So to call it a a an arid wasteland, just from the runoff alone, it's not going to be an arid wasteland. Yeah, but I, you know, they're talking about some places like Provo, Utah, and Los Angeles. I mean, these are places that if you don't go out and water your yard for three days, it's desert again. Exactly. That's what its natural state is. So trying to say that that will become a desert is sort of redundant. Yeah. It is already a desert. <laughs> We're just beating it back with, with you know, water okay. and, and grit. Exactly. Exactly. In Simi Valley, California, have you been mm-hmm. out there? It's dry. Um, uh, Tyler, Texas, yeah, I mean, okay. Um, yeah, that's more West Texas, right? Yeah, well, it's it's central. Yeah, I mean, Texas is so big. It's north, you know. There's there's no, the northern part of Texas tends to be either desert or plains, like the midwestern plains. Um, and but the south of Texas is what's what's very humid and densely um, there's you know dense uh, brush and not brush that sounds dry, uh, you know vegetation. It's you know right. etc. Well, but it brushes up against the Gulf, so there's lots of exactly of, uh, moisture coming in off the Gulf, and so it's green and lush for the most part. Yes, and and Houston, for example, and and really all of South Texas, they're made for rain. They get a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so uh, they they are pretty good at handling it. And, and that thousand year flood they had two years ago, um, you know, notwithstanding, and nobody could have handled that much rain. Uh, normally, they get a lot of rain, and and that's just normal for them. And I I doubt that's going away because they are on the Gulf. So the the one, like I said, the one that's really stuck stuck out for me was Jackson, Mississippi, because I just don't see Mississippi becoming a desert. <laughs> I just don't. Yeah, seems unlikely. Seems unlikely. Lot in Oklahoma, sure, I could see that because you know it's Oklahoma; it's a plain state. Uh, Colorado Springs, yeah, except again they get snow, and so that snow provides water. Um, you know that water seeps into the ground. They get a water table. So I don't know. I'm not. I'm not ready to buy beachfront property in in Minnesota quite yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know the well, and, and you, you look at Montana and uh, Wyoming. They have Billings, Montana, and Cheyenne, Wyoming. Um, you know they get cold winters, but the rest of the time they're kind of tundra-like. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, it's you know a Cheyenne- hair's breadth away. I don't know that they get a huge amount of rainfall there. No, well, and Cheyenne apparently. Um, 
and you know, I said beachfront property in Montana. I meant, I mean, Minnesota, like, like that would be the place or the balmy Minnesota or something. Um, in, yeah. in, um, Cheyenne is a, from people who I know who have been there, it is one of the windiest places. It's very dry now, right. like you're saying. Um, mm-hmm. and so, and they don't, there are pl- areas where they don't have a whole lot of vegetation now. So, you know, that's not surprising to me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, it, I don't know what the, you know, what's the cutoff to say, okay, well, you haven't had X amount of rain, so you are now technically um, desert. I don't know what their climate I'm, is like but, or, or is categorized like, but my understanding is, is it's a, you know, hair's breadth from from sort of deserty anyway. You yeah. Know. So, and, and I know that there are deserts, um, there are deserts in places that you wouldn't expect. Like I think in Chile, there is the highest desert in the world. I mean, it's, it's up in the Andes, it's up in the mountains, but uh, they don't get any rain. So uh, generally deserts, and I just Googled this, are defined as areas that receive an average annual precipitation of less than 10 inches. So, okay. you know, um, Los Angeles Why? is not much more than that. Yeah, Wyoming is listed as a cool, semi-arid climate. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes, because of the Chinook winds that you were referring to. Chinook. Chinook. Yeah, it's apparently terribly windy, like really, wind- really, really windy. Yeah. yeah, I saw one of those like building. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Off the grid things, and they were, like, trying to put um, solar panels out onto this this small home or an outhouse or not an outhouse but an, uh an outbuilding from the from the main house and um it was perilous at the best you know it was yikes it was difficult um so los angeles gets an average of 15.1 inches of rain a year so anything that's that's fewer than 10 inches so we're in drought years then we're technically a desert right um so because it's it's los angeles is is not much better than 15.94 for cheyenne wyoming ah see there you go so it's already on the cusp anyway yeah so anyway i'm not i'm not ready to pack it in um, I'm sure that that you know, the climate is changing. I mean, it's all around us. The climate's changing. Um, I, I'm not ready to to say that. I'm not ready for doomsday. You know, and 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 the people who are losing their minds, they really do remind me of you know the pe- the followers of Hal Lindsey's late great Planet Earth, who were sure that the Earth would die in 1987, um, and and everybody lost their minds and you know, college campuses through end of the world parties and <laughs> it didn't happen. It didn't mm-hmm. happen. So I'm just not ready for, I just don't think it's time for doomsday yet. Yeah. I think the REM song end of the world, as we know, it was written basically around that concept. Yeah. Yeah. Was... I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> so with that, let's take a break. I'm Aaron Brinker. And I'm Todd Brinker. And we are On the Brink, the morning show on KCAA. We'll be right back. If you are one of the millions of Californians 
who prefer to use affordable natural gas to heat your home and cook your food, you need to listen to this message. There are powerful national organizations and California bureaucrats who don't like natural gas or propane either. They want to prohibit Californians from using these affordable, reliable energy sources. They want Californians to rely solely on high-priced electricity. Don't let them take away your energy options. We are Californians for Balanced Energy Solutions. Californians want affordable, reliable energy options that serve their family and business needs, not electric-only mandates. Learn more about how gas is fighting climate change, reducing smog, and helping keep California's economy strong. Visit www.c4bes.org and join us. Paid for by Californians for Balanced Energy Solutions. Jazz and wine lovers in the Inland Empire, get ready. August 31st to September 1st, Labor Day weekend. It's the second annual Inland Empire Jazz and Wine Experience. Two days, vendors, wine, delicious food, comedy, a kid zone, business seminars, and your favorite jazz performers. Live on two stages at the beautiful Arrowhead Country Club in one of San Bernardino's most historic and exclusive neighborhoods. Over a dozen of your favorite smooth, urban, and standard jazz musicians. DW3, Makita, B.I.G., Michael Hagens, Sure Will, Vaughn Fahey, and a whole lot more. For ticket details, you can text JAZZ to 909-475-7787, or you can check in or Google IE Jazz Experience. That's the IE Jazz Experience Labor Day weekend. Hey, Ryan, do we have any beer in the fridge? Nah, I thought you got some. Oh, the game starts in five minutes. And you drank the last beer at midnight on Friday. I wish there was a place that delivered beer. Yes, I'm Captain Crafted. I'm here to bring you beer. That's Captain, C-R-A-F-T, apostrophe D. Why? Because there's no E, just a D, as in deliver, because Captain Crafted delivers. That's right, the Crafted Beer Store in Redlands is now open for business with great prices and deliveries of your favorite beer, wine, spirits, water, ice, and mixers. Did I mention their great prices? That's C-R-A-F-T-D-B-E-E-R-Store.com. Or Fred Crafted Beer Store on Facebook.com. Make it easy. Google Redlands Beer Delivery. Look for Crafted Beer. Crafted Beer Store in Redlands is now open for beersness. And I'm here to deliver. Jazz and wine lovers in the Inland Empire, get ready. August 31st to September 1st, Labor Day weekend. It's the second annual Inland Empire Jazz and Wine Experience. Two days, vendors, wine, delicious food, comedy, a kid zone, business seminars, and your favorite jazz performers. Live on two stages at the beautiful Arrowhead Country Club in one of San Bernardino's most historic and exclusive neighborhoods. Over a dozen of your favorite smooth, urban, and standard jazz musicians. DW3, Makita, B.I.G., Michael Hagens, Sure Will, Vaughn Fahey, and a whole lot more. For ticket details, you can text JAZZ to 909-475-7787, or you can check in or Google IE Jazz Experience. That's the IE Jazz Experience Labor Day weekend. K-C-A. 
ei, ei. Welcome back. I'm Erin Brinker. And I'm Todd Brinker. And we are on the brink, the morning show on KCAA, AM 1050, FM 106.5 and FM 102.3. So the College Board has decided to abandon the SAT's adversity score after criticism. Now, it is it was such a bad idea in the first place. Do you know about this, Todd? Well, I kind of had to read the story a little bit because I didn't even know what the adversity score was, but it was a supplement to the SAT's admissions tests and essentially tried to, in one number, define if you were uh, more or less, had more or less opportunity in education prior to taking that test. So what adversity you faced going into the test. Which is, it's ridiculous. Yeah, a test is a I mean, test, and and I understand that that um, universities will you know that the admission admissions boards look at the that's the point of the essay right is to talk about mm-hmm. your life and what you've overcome and what's important to you and what you plan to get out of an education yada 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 um, and and it, that doesn't have any space at all as far as I'm concerned in what should be a standardized test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their job is to assess your your basis of knowledge and ability to express yourself not to give a historical background that's what the rest of the application is for that's not their job and so they're backing off on it but they're replacing it with something that's sort of trying to do the same thing which is still kind of weird so this uh, revised tool and this is according to the LA Times this revised tool um, it's called landscape and it's apparently going to provide a series of data points from government sources and the college board that are seen as affecting education. Um, they include whether the student's school is in a rural, suburban, or urban location, the size of the senior's school, school senior class, the percentage of students eligible for free and reduced price lunch, and participation in performance in college-level advanced placement courses at school. Admissions officers also will see a range of test scores uh, at the school to show where the applicants fall, as well as information like the median family income, education levels, and crime rates in the student's neighborhood. Hmm. Yeah, well, I can Hmm. see the colleges being interested in that, and I can see the colleges perhaps wanting to know, like, um, uh, where they fall within their school, because from what I've understood, more and more recently, schools are grading you against how you how you rank against people at your school, as opposed to how you rank against the population at large. Because they've they found that that's much more useful in terms of of sort of your placement you know, on a even basis. Whereas across you know multiple schools, there's so much variation between the schools and their programs and their teachings and their philosophies that it's difficult sometimes, even though they're theoretically teaching the same curriculum, uh, that there's so much variance there that, that it's easier and, and more accurate to compare you to people from your school to get a feel for where you sort of stand academically. 
the thing about it is, and, and I don't disagree with you, but what about um, families who double and triple up um, in houses in expensive neighborhoods and they work two jobs to send so they could be in the Irvine uh, public schools. You see what I'm saying? Oh yeah, no, and it doesn't account for that. And I and and it's not. And I'm and you know you're not disagreeing with me. I'm just I'm just expressing what I understand how they're doing it. Not necessarily that I agree with it the the method at all. Um, you know, so you know, and and is that to your advantage, right? So you go to what's supposedly a better school district, but instead of being in the top you know two percentile, you're now in the top ten percentile, and you're compared against people in your own school. So then you know. Are you doing yourself a disservice? Maybe. Maybe. You, know, but, it, you might be. I know that you coach in Orange County, and I know that, that you've worked in Orange County for a very long time, um, and you see families that I'm sure they struggle to send their kid to that private school, or they struggle um, to, to live in a neighborhood that, that, that's, that they can't really afford so that their kid can have access to the better schools. Mm-hmm. You know, And I think that, they're, that, that there's... I prefer the standardized test and, and leave the rest of that for each admissions board to define what they want, you know, and right. I, and I just, which I suppose they're doing anyway, but it just somehow this smacks as being wrong. Like you're penalizing parents for sacrificing for their kids. Right. Well, and I mean, it's, it's there, there, if the landscape score is or the landscape information is is what they're explaining it's stuff that the college probably already knows you know they they know the area that the school is in because the student has to tie this this you know as part of their application package right so they're having their grades and everything sent in so they know what school they come from they know what area they come from they know the statistics of the average income of everybody i mean they get all that stuff's available to the school anyway so so it's kind of a moot point I mean, really, hmm. you know, an admissions admissions officer has that information and can readily get that information if they want to, to understand where things are, what the average scores are at schools, what the average grade point averages at schools provide that information to them. So, you know, they kind of get an idea. The, and the thing that, you know, the last thing that, that really kind of gets under my skin about this is that the middle class kid um, who goes to the middle class school, I mean, say that you are you know, you're in Grand Terrace and, you know, you're, you're, maybe your parents didn't go to college. Maybe they are, you know, um, uh, they're, they're carpenters or plumbers or whatever, but you're going to a middle-class school, you know, should that kid be penalized because th- there's not a higher enough percentage of free and reduced lunch, um, students at his school. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, it's, it, it bothers me on that level too. Or if you're, maybe you're going to school in Loma Linda, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, that shouldn't, that shouldn't, you know, the question for, you know, for colleges to me is, you know, can the kids, can the students meet the standard? Right. Well, and you know, I mean, things like, yeah, who's getting free and reduced lunch and, and what the percentages of the student body, you know, I don't know that colleges use that or how they would use that, whether it be to an advantage to you to go to a, a a school that has high, a higher number or a lower number. Quite frankly, I think all of this is, you know, and the whole idea of scoring by school instead of against a global population and everything is all an attempt to get around a real ugly truth of grade inflation that happens. Yes. You know, and especially in the more affluent areas. There the grades are inflated in more affluent areas because uh the parents have I hate, what's the right word? They ha- have a, a 
<clears throat> more uh, power over, especially in, in private schools. They they have more direct control over over whether their child continues to go there, you know. And so um, I think that they're, that's something that, that private schools have to fight against to make sure that they're not doing um, uh, that. But there's a lot of uh, independence given to each teacher. And so it's just a matter of them deciding what is and is not sufficient. You know, but the old idea that everything has to fit into a bell curve, if somebody gets it 100%, then somebody has to fail, is silly, too. Indeed. Indeed. It, it should be pretty straightforward, um, mm-hmm. you know, that, uh, that if this is the standard, either it's met or it's not. And yeah. that's really what the SAT was originally designed for, right? So that you would, you either met mm-hmm. the standard or you didn't. Um, yeah. Uh, although, you know, having said that, I'm I'm not sure that a high SAT score is indicative of, of academic performance at a university anyway. No, there are some people who have just a lot of performance anxiety when it comes to testing. That would be and me. So, you know, they're <laughs> not going to do well no matter what, you know, and other people sit down and go, yeah, test schmissed, I, I can ace this. You know, I may not really know anything, but I can take a test, uh, <laughs> you know, and they've and, and they've proven that, you know, studying and prepping for the tests can swing scores by 100 points or more. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yep. So, I mean, you know, they always used to say don't bother studying because it's not a test you can study for. Well, baloney. Baloney. That's not true. Yeah. So with that, it's time for another break. I'm Aaron Brinker. And I'm Todd Brinker. And we are on the brink, the morning show on KCAA. We will be right back. KCAA Loma Linda, 1050 AM, K292 FQ Riverside, and K293 CF Moreno Valley. NBC News Radio, I'm Lisa Carter. The Trump administration is diverting millions of dollars from disaster relief to border enforcement. The Department of Homeland Security is saying Tuesday it's moving $271 million to immigration and customs enforcement, including $155 million from the Federal Emergency Management Agency's disaster relief fund. Democratic lawmakers criticized the transfer during hurricane season. And Tropical Storm Dorian is expected to pick up strength today as it heads toward Puerto Rico. The U.S. territory has been under a hurricane watch, with a state of emergency being declared. At last report, Dorian had maximum sustained winds of 60 miles an hour. It comes across the eastern end of Puerto Rico sometime this afternoon, then continues on into the Atlantic. By Friday, it becomes a Category 1 storm. It enlarges and becomes stronger by the time we get to early Monday morning, Labor Day morning. It's a Category 2 storm. NBC meteorologist Al Roker says the problem is forecasters aren't sure which track the storm will take later in the week, off the east coast or across Florida into the Gulf or maybe somewhere in between due to conflicting weather models. President Trump is tweeting about Dorian this morning saying we are tracking closely Tropical Storm Dorian as it heads, as usual, to Puerto Rico. He goes on to say, FEMA will do a great job, and when they do, give them a big thank you, not like last time. 
A major pharmaceutical company is offering to settle opioid lawsuits across the country by paying up to $12 billion. NBC News confirms a potential deal was discussed by attorneys and owners at Purdue Pharma last week. The company is facing more than 2,000 lawsuits claiming its sales practices were deceptive and helped sustain the opioid crisis. NBC's Kristen Dahlgren has a statement from the company. Purdue tells NBC while it is prepared to defend itself, it sees little good coming from years of wasteful litigation. The people and communities affected by the opioid crisis need help now. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. time to take a look at our roadways. I'm Erin Brinker. In the Cajon Pass on the 15 northbound before Cleghorn Road, a crash is partially blocking the right lane. Stop and go traffic is backed up from Kenwood Avenue. In Riverside on the 215 southbound at Blaine Street, an accident has been cleared, but there are some, there's still some residual slowing, so watch out for that. This has been your traffic report. Drive carefully, everyone. I'm Erin Brinker, and this is KCAA. From the KCAA Weather Center, I'm Lori. Sunny for this morning with an afternoon high of 97. Clear overnight with a low of 67. And sunny on Thursday with a high of 98. Heading into Labor Day weekend, Friday, sunny with a high of 98. Saturday, sunny with a high of 99. Sunday, 101. And Labor Day, sunny with a high of 98. I'm Lori, broadcasting live from the Tri-City Center at the 10 and 210 freeways. We are the trifecta of talk in Southern California. KCAA 102.3 FM, Riverside 106.5 FM, Redlands, and the Legacy 1050 AM, Loma Linda, San Bernardino. This is KCAA. Welcome back. I'm Marion Brinker. And I'm Todd Brinker. And we are on the brink, the morning show on KCAA AM 1050 FM 106.5 and FM 102.3. And Todd, you found a date, list of dates of predi- of predicted for apocalyptic events. And there's a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. And the irony is, is that, you know, we were talking about that earlier. And I mean, they started predicting that the world was going to end, you know, basically from the time of Christ. I mean, you know, they start, the, the first ones, the first millennium, I mean, 66 to 70 AD, all the way through. And, you know, and I mean, each of the centuries, there's just, you know, a whole bunch of people finding reasons in different texts and, and in different, um, you know, Things they're seeing in the earth and the ecology and the stars. I mean, there's just just about every method that you could imagine to decide that um, that the world is going to come to an end. Even even Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther, um, he predicted the world would um, the end of the world would occur no later than 1600. 
Yeah, he so was wrong. Coming to an end. He 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 was wrong. And there's and th- through the 19th century, there were tons of them because you think about there's lots of religious um, denominations or sects that um, that that they came about because somebody was reading the tea leaves and and decided that the that Judgment Day was coming. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, as as the world changed and moved away from um, you know kind of this totalitarian you know, people living under a monarch and people were revolting and, and shaking off the old way globally. Um, you saw more of this apocalyptic talk, um, you know, and, and since, you know, I obviously wasn't alive during any of that, but, but coming into uh, the latter half of the 20th century, uh, there were all kinds of people that were saying that the world would end. I mean, mm-hmm. even Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel, Chapel, and I love Calvary Chapel, uh, predicted the generation of ni- 1948 would be the last generation and the world would end by 1981. So, yeah. <laughs> Barely out of high school for me, man. <laughs> yes, I, I lovingly referred to it as the list of wackadoodles. Um, you know, and, and some of these are actually very serious people, but, the, 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 you know, some of these, these predictions, obviously were way off base, you know, I mean, people, yes. I mean, you know, the, the, the Baha'i uh, w- uh, predicted it was going to end, that New York City would be destroyed by a nuclear bomb in 94, and Armageddon would take place 40 days later, that was Neil Chase. Um, Pat Robertson you know. said it would end on the 29th, 29th of April, 2007. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry Falwell said 1st of January 2000 because God believes in the Gregorian calendar, apparently. (laughs) Uh, Rasputin, a Russian mystic who died in 1916, uh, prophesied a storm would take place on the 23rd of August in 2013 uh, where fire would destroy most of life on land and Jesus would come back to earth to comfort those in distress. Well, at least it was a specific date that didn't like ring down on a specific like nice even number on a calendar because that to me just just immediately begs you to question, you know, it's like, okay, it's going to be on this date. You know, Jean Dixon said that it will happen in 2020. Oh, here we go. But she previously had said it was going to happen on February 4th, 1962, and that didn't work. So I'm sorry, I find this hilarious. I really do. The, the whole idea that you're going to put your name onto this list is is a little laughable, yeah. So now there ahead. are some interesting things, though. You look out further, you know, like you know, three hundred thousand years out, and people are looking at like certain stars and saying that they're expecting that this star is going to be able to go, you know, supernova in a, in, a, in a, roughly that time period, and if the angles are right, that we might get hit with a lot of gamma rays. Except that now they're looking at it more closely and saying that it's going to be off by about 15 degrees. And over that distance, we won't get hit by the gamma rays. So, so, we'll, so we'll all become Spider-Man? Wasn't he gamma rays? Yeah. <laughs> no, he was bitten by a spider. Oh, That's Spider-Man. Okay. Yeah. Oh. I, spider I just want to make a comment. Been, been the everything you need to know rays. about the end of the world is in Ghostbusters 2 with Bill Murray on his psychic, <laughs> psychic show where he said to the guy... You know, are you sure you want the end of the world at the end of this year? It's like you don't make room for your paperbacks and then the book tours and everything like that. Exactly. you got to put it out a little further. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I want to say thank you to Aaron for yesterday, by the way. 
I was not feeling good, and she took care of everything here, so I appreciate you, my friend. Ah. I just wanted all of the 184,000 listeners per quarter hour that listen to your morning show to know what a sweet lady you are. Oh, that's so wonderful. That was Rick Rule. He is our... Uh, our um, uh, engineer extraordinaire and our neighbor on KQLH and also the end of the world is going to be in the year 2060 because I'll be 100 years old oh, see there you go yep. there you go seems like a good even number <laughs> <laughs> well okay so the the scientists like you brought up um, uh, the Peter uh, Tuthill or Toothill um, you know, approximately three, 300,000 years. That's math, right? I mean, he's looking at that trajectory and he's going, well, it could hit. And if it does, you know, that to me is, is, mm. is different than having a vision. And <laughs> right. And, right. You know, yeah. I mean, we also know that stars have a life cycle and, you know, and 600 million years from now that the sun will start enlarging and may envelop, you know, Mercury, Venus and the earth and possibly even reach out close to Mars. You know, that's part of the reason that uh, Elon Musk says he wants to get people on Mars is because eventually uh, the earth will get enveloped by the sun. And so he wants to move out to a planet that will be safer at that point in time. Huh. Well, it yeah, may sorry. take that long to have the uh, yeah. uh, technology to do it. Somewhere between one and five billion years from now. <laughs> well, I think so we we're need, in a rush. I think we need to worry. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Elon Musk, did you did you see he tested his um, his uh, I can't remember the heavy rocket Falcon Heavy engine. No. And and they had to they had to evacuate a nearby town. They had a forced evacuation of a nearby town because they said that this thing, when it goes up and comes back down, it's only going up about 500 feet during this test. That's going to blow out windows and possibly damage homes and stuff. Oh. And people are going, if it's going to do that, then don't let him do it. Why are you letting this guy destroy homes that are, you know, a mile and a half away? Oh, my goodness. People were up in arms. Yeah. Apparently the test went off without a hitch, but they did. They, people were told they had to evacuate during the time of the test. I'm sorry. He's a private citizen. He needs to pick another place. There's plenty yeah. of miles of open desert. He can pick one of those places. Although yeah, then you'd have an issue with the turtles. According to predictions, so he should just pick a place that's going to be desert. He can test forever. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, uh. it, it, this was the second and final test of this module. But the first test, apparently, when it it only went up about 65 feet, but it created so much fire that it actually caught tundra on and, and shrubs on fire. Oh, my gosh. And, and, and nobody had thought that might happen. And so it took <laughs> them a while. A couple hundred acres got burnt while they were waiting for pol or the fire department to show up. Oh, God. It's like nobody said, hey, you know, we're going to be putting this rocket with a bunch of fire coming out of its back end. In a, in a really dry, brushy area. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, you know, there's this small, unheard of organization called NASA. Mm. I bet they could have offered some advice. Give me a right. break. Well, you know, I think, too, part of what this is, is this is the 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 tunnel vision of, of highly intelligent people, right? I mean, there's lots of really smart people working to build these rockets and and... And NASA's involved with this because NASA's planning to outsource a lot of their work. In fact, they already do outsource a lot of their work to to a conglomerate that includes Boeing. And so, you know, uh, Musk's organization, SpaceX and Blue Origin, which is um, uh, the founder of uh, Amazon. Um, you know, Bezos. That's his, yeah, Bezos' organization are going to start being used in addition to the Boeing group. And so... 
you know, they're involved and they're helping doing the planning. And these are really smart people. But sometimes I think sometimes the smart people forget some of the obvious stuff that you could have asked the janitor. Hey, um, it's true. Do you think there's a fire hazard here? And the janitor or, you know, what do you think's the problem? And he could have looked out the door and said, you know, there's a lot of dry brush right next to where you're taking off. That could be bad. That, that might be a problem. Oh, yeah. my goodness. That's true. They get so lost in their heads and looking at the big picture that they forget about the, the, the details. Yeah, yeah the that's... minor details of, like, you know, breaking windows in the town a hundred yards <laughs> a away. Right? Yeah, it was a mile. I mean, it was a mile and change, I think, but still. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I would have been a uh, homeowner knocking on Elon Musk's door saying, hey, you're fixing this, buddy. Yeah, you know, this like pain kids throwing and a baseball through your window. Yeah, you know? but beyond that, it's going to knock out all your windows, right? And yeah, so then yeah. where do you sleep? Um, you know, I, I just, because you don't want to, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I think he would find himself sued. But who's going to sue Elon Musk because he's got so much money? I just, you know, rich people think that they can do anything they want. And that's not okay. Oh, definitely not okay. Yeah, I'm not sure what led to the whole thing, but the idea that they were actually evacuating the town to me seemed ludicrous, and I would have been livid if I had been that yep. person. Spit and fire. Yeah. Spit and fire. So with that, it's time for another break. I'm Erin Brinker. And I'm Todd Brinker. And we are on the brink, the morning show on KCAA. We'll be right back. 60 years of fascinating facts. This is The Man from Yesterday. Back in time, this time to 1966, looks like Michelle Phillips is back with the Mamas and Papas after being fired in June. Jill Gibson had taken Michelle Phillips' place, but it wasn't the same. And the darkest hour is just me. And from this time in 1978, Joan Crawford's adopted daughter, Christina, is about to release a book describing her mom's wild outbursts and beatings. Look for the book Mommy Dearest in November. I want to know, why did you adopt me? Maybe I did it for a little extra publicity. And from this time in 1975, newcomer Christy Brinkley is seen on the cover of Glamour magazine for September here in 1975. Now, Christy Brinkley's only been around a couple of years, but she's getting noticed. A few years later, many remember Christy Brinkley's appearance in Billy Joel's music video, Uptown Girl. With more at manfromyesterday.com. Medical scientists worldwide are encouraging people to eat more fish. Most American diets are low in cold water fish that are abundant in important omega-3 oils. DHA and EPA are the vital components of fish oil that provide healthy benefits. Not only are they crucial for brain and vision development, they're very important for cardiovascular health. Carlson, America's leading Norwegian fish oil brand, specializes in both great-tasting soft gels that are easy to swallow and fish oil liquids that don't taste fishy. That's right, Carlson provides the most extensive line of fish oils to meet all your needs. You can take Carlson fish oils with confidence. 
for Carlson fish oils are tested for purity, potency, and freshness. Ask for Carlson Norwegian fish oils today. That's right, ask for Carlson Norwegian fish oils today. Absolute Contractors Incorporated remind listeners to take a moment and recognize our men and women in uniform who are serving our country. Take a few moments and write a letter of encouragement to those who are separated from family. This reminder from Grant Houghton of Absolute Contractors, a full-service builder with a wide range of experience. Call 909-844-6383. That's 909-844-6383 or visit absolutecontractors.com. The Tri-City Shopping Center in Redlands is serving up some really cool ice cream at La Micho Acana. Then get your chocolates and other delights from Seas Candies. Moms and future moms who visit the mall can cool off and relax while they get treated like royalty at Shiny Nails or Francis Nails and then pampered at Texture Hair. The Tri-City Center is filled with retailers who care about you. Shop at the Tri-City Center in Redlands and see why they call it the mall with a heart. Broadcasting more local radio programs than any other station in California, we are KCAA. Welcome back. I'm Erin Brinkert. And I'm Todd Brinker. And we are on the Brink the Morning Show here on KCAA. And uh, Todd, you pick the next one. Okay. I'm putting you on the spot. Uh, yeah, well, I wasn't looking at the page. Okay. Um, oh, let's oh, see. Let me, uh, let me do this. Okay. You, you find the next one, and I'll talk about this one because it really upset me. Um, met the, the two men who pretended to be military veterans, which I hate, uh, were sentenced to some very interesting, it didn't upset me. I was moved by it. We're sentenced to some very interesting punishments in Montana. As the Great Falls Tribune explains, Ryan Patrick Morris, who's 28, and Troy Allen Nelson, who's 33, uh, they appeared before a judge, Greg Pinsky, for violating the terms of deferred or suspended sentences they'd received in two separate unrelated cases. In those cases, both had claimed to be military veterans in an attempt to get lesser sentences and be allowed to enter the judge's veterans treatment court. On Friday, Pinsky, who read the names of Montanans who died while serving in Iraq and Afghanistan, sentenced both to prison, plus some additional requirements once they're out before they can be considered for parole. For each Memorial Day and Veterans Day, while they're under court supervision, they must appear at the Montana Veterans Memorial uh, Ceremony wearing a sign that reads, I'm a liar, I'm not a veteran, I stole valor, I dishonored all veterans. And I thought, oh, my gosh. Well, first I laughed, and then I thought, that might actually get these guys harmed showing up at a Veterans Memorial Ceremony wearing the sign. You know what I mean? Yeah, that could bring physical harm to them. And if they did, then they would, they'd be suing the judge. Exactly. And so I thought, well, I mean, the knee jerk was, okay, yeah, these guys stole valor and people know, need to know about it. But showing up at where veterans are... Um, are either remembering the the ones that have passed or honoring the ones who are still with us, um, remembering their service, et cetera. That might get these guys, you know, for lack of a better word, lynched. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, my gut reaction was initially, the knee-jerk reaction was, good, 
good. Make them be embarrassed for for perpetrating this fraud. But but yeah, you're, you do you, it. The reaction could not go, could go wrong. Could go real wrong. And so, yeah, I'm not sure that's a good idea. I don't think that's a good idea. So apparently they must also write apology letters to the American Legion, AMVETS, Disabled American Veterans, and the Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America, the Veterans of Foreign Wars, and Vietnam Veterans of America. Wow. I mean, just charge them with stolen valor and print their names in the newspaper or online. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that's, I don't know that, I think having them show up with that sign is just begging for trouble. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think that that's probably not a good thing. That might be a little over the top. <laughs> so, so, go so, ahead. yeah, I just uh, sent you a link to something else that uh, is is in the news. I don't know if you're aware of it. You know, the U.S. Open has started up, right? Oh, sure. So the U.S. the U.S. Open is going, and Serena had her first round game against Maria Sharpova, somebody that she has. Had some epic battles with in the past. She won her first round in 59 minutes. But that's not the news. The news is that she's wearing a skin-tight black bodysuit, long sleeve, up to the neck, but it's short shorts. Oh. So there's no legging. It's just shorts. And people are are all in a fuss about whether or not this is an appropriate, air quotes, suit or uh, clothing to be wearing. You know, she wore a full-length ankle-to-wrist to, to cat suit, all black, at the French Open, and that suit has since been banned at the French Open. She's not allowed to wear that. Um, so now at the, the uh, uh, U.S. Open, she's wearing basically a short version of that. Still long sleeves, but the shorts are, are there. They're booty you shorts. Know, you know what? Um it's it looks to me like it's made out of that that polyester kind of um, wicking breathing material the cool uh, and I imagine that that is probably incredibly comfortable for her to wear and the the dark color keeps perspiration spots from showing up which you know she's working her butt off out there um, I see no problem with it at all but boy people are in a in a got their knickers in a twist about this <laughs> it just it surprises me how how fussy. You know the um, the tennis world is. I mean, I remember when Andre Agassi played at Wimbledon and got in trouble for wearing things that had too much color because you're supposed to wear everything white there, and uh, with you know you can have like color piping and trim, which most of them do. And he showed up in everything completely whited out, every logo, everything. His shoes were white. His every, I mean, it was complete a complete whited out suit <laughs> to play tennis in. Um, basically as a protest saying, okay, you want white, then we're going to do everything. I'm surprised he didn't like zinc oxide his face. Um, cause he was the type that personality type that would have done something like that to go, you know what? I'm just going to pail out everything for you. Pasty Brits. Um, uh, he, he was kind of bent out of shape about that. And I, I just, I don't see the fuss. I don't see the fuss, but apparently, um, she's coming out today in a, another different, similar tight-fitting suit and you know she designs a lot of her own clothes too she's got her own clothing line so this is obviously an opportunity for her to to uh you know make a statement about her tastes but to me it just looks like it makes sense for something comfortable for her to wear 
you know, I think about the the women's volleyball players who are basically out there in a tiny, the skimpiest bikini you could possibly imagine, minus like uh, a thong. Um, you know, and that's what that's what those athletes wear. Um, mm-hmm. Swimmers wear swimsuits, obviously. Um, you know, track stars wear tight fitting you know, clothing because they don't want any, any drag against the wind or anything. You know, I think that, you know, that, that perhaps we need to think about women's outfits differently, you know, and, and she has a history of, of, you know, kind of doing her own thing when it comes to what she puts on her body. Um, and so this is, this is just classic Serena. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know that she's, out there intentionally trying to raise a ruckus with anybody. I think she's looking at, you know, A, do I look good in it? And B, do I, you know, is it comfortable for me to wear when I'm out there, um, you know, running around and moving, you know, and, and sweating a lot? I mean, you know, she's working hard. And so you don't want to, you know, have giant sweat stains all over your body when you're, uh, when you're moving around. I mean, and this is somebody who is a professional athlete, uh, you know, almost of no comparison to others. I mean, she's, she's been that good over that length of time. You know, she's going to, she's certainly not going to pick something that's going to make it difficult for her. No. Right. It's going to be something that works for her. So yeah, I, I, I don't quite see the, the, the point of, of making a big deal about it, but, um, you know, I mean, it's not like she's walking to the mall in this. In this, this isn't how she hangs out. This is her work clothes. You know, I mean, I, the, the old thing with swimmers was, you know, is it too tight? Well, if you can get it on, it's not too tight. I mean, you wore, you know, com- competition suits are worn as tight as you can possibly get them on your body. Because you don't uh, be- want them to drag. You don't want any air gaps. You don't want any bubbles in the suit. You want it to actually help you move through the water. Yes, yeah, so you want it to be like a second skin. This isn't even that tight. Um, you know, you can just you can see it's not it's not like swimsuit tight. So you know, maybe my perspective is a little skewed because you know, a practice suit might be slightly less tight, but not a lot. I mean, it's just you know, swimsuits are worn very snug, and uh, at least competition suits and 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 uh, you know, people who are in in that sport as a competition. You know, it's not like you're out there in your baggies that you wear to the beach. But the same thing goes, right? You don't necessarily wear that suit to the beach either. You, you, you put on your beach suit. You know, most girls go to, you know, something that's more comfortable to sit around in and probably a lot prettier. And most guys go to, to baggy shorts when they're at the beach. It's just a, you know, the appropriate clothing for the appropriate place. And I guess that's the debate, right? Some people are saying, well, is this the appropriate clothing? Well, and I wonder how many of them are actually, what, what, what really bothers them is the shape of her body because she is not a waif. She is, she's built like a brick house. Yeah, and I think, and that's, that's her, her defenders, and I think she has even spoken up and her sister has spoken up and said, hey, you know, my shape is my shape. This is who I am. You know, and I'm not going to be forced into feeling somehow ashamed about it because of some, you know, prudish notions of what you believe a woman is supposed to look like or a woman athlete is supposed to look like. You know, clearly she's, you know, one of, if not the best uh, female athlete in her sport and certainly in the world and certainly in her sport. And, you know, that's who she is. Yes. That's who she is. You can't, you know, it's like, why are people trying to beat their head against the wall, trying to tell her 
that she should look a certain way. That's right. just ridiculous. And that wasn't the body that God gave her. And the body that God gave her is serving her pretty well, so she's not oh, likely yeah. to make any changes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's, what, one one um, major championship away from tying the record for the most major championships in history for a woman. Um, in fact, I think it's the most major championships in history for men or women. I don't think it's just, I think the um, it's Margaret Court holds it. And, and, uh, and she's been in three finals since she's been tied. And I think she's gotten a little nervous about the fact that, wow, this is, this is like historical. Yeah. And, but she's going to get it. She's, she's not going to stop till she gets it. I, I, you know, you just see the determination in her face. She's using that as motivation to get it. And then probably one more to break it at least. Yep. So, so Serena, you, know. you do you because whatever you're doing, it's working. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So with that, we're at the end of our show for today. I'm Aaron Brinker. And I'm Todd Brinker. And we are on the brink, the morning show on KCAA. We'll see you tomorrow.